After years of deep scientific research, extensive media coverage and high-profile celebrity attention, reducing CO2 emissions to prevent climate change is deemed almost exclusively the most pressing global threat to humanity. Yet alongside this, another invisible threat deeply linked to our way of life has gone unnoticed. With some 4.2 billion people living in urban environments today, the health impacts of air pollution are intensifying on a global scale. Airborne pollutants lead to cardiovascular and respiratory diseases such as lung cancer, pulmonary fibrosis, and acute asthma. It's predicted an additional 10 million unnecessary deaths across the globe, almost double that of COVID to date, will take place this year alone. The OECD predicts outdoor air pollution could cost 1% of global GDP, around 2.6 trillion US dollars by 2060. So with these significant concerns and spiraling health costs, how can we make the changes necessary to clear the air in our cities? Welcome to Racing Green, the podcast that explores the ideas, innovations, and influences making waves in the journey towards a sustainable future for our planet. In each episode, we investigate the new challenges, ingenious solutions, and the undiscovered opportunities that lie at the heart of our rapidly changing world. We aim to accelerate a new era founded on optimism and impactful collective responsibility. Today, we chat with Dimitro Ciprinia, Sales and Business Development Director at Air Labs, to explore how the rollout of a revolutionary dense network of air quality sensors in our own local area of Camden, North London, could provide the vital data needed to ensure the future health of our cities around the globe. Welcome, Dimitro. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what, what is air pollution actually? What are the, the main pollutants that we look to when we're discussing air pollution? Yeah, uh, air pollution is considered to be one of the biggest threats to well-being across the globe for millions and millions of people. And it's considered by uh, uh, WHO that over 8 million of people die each year uh, because of air pollution, and uh, it causes long-term, short-term diseases and various types of diseases for hundreds of millions of people uh, across the globe. So it became like a health problem, number one, and a death rate even higher than COVID or any known disease. So millions and millions of people and scientists trying to find a solution to this problem. And we want to be part of that, and we want to help communities, help governments, help, help uh, scientists to understand air pollution and tackle that. Great. Well, you know, you're involved in this, in, in this incredible project called Airscape. I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about Airscape. Yeah. So the key problem which we found out and uh, the roots of, kind of our uh, solution, Airscape, came from uh, long-term uh, scientific research. Uh, led by our R&D team in Copenhagen and led by our chief scientist officer, Matthew Johnson. So what the system of air quality monitoring, which currently exists 
and in London, in Camden, also globally, it uh, refers to very dispersed reference station. So actually, if we compare that to, for example, a situation in hospital, where you have all the patients and you measure only average temperature for all the patients, we have, which is nonsense, we have the same situation, air pollution. So, you know, for example, in Camden, it's only four reference stations dispersed kilometers away from each other, and they try to calculate some kind of average air pollution level in Camden Town, for example, and broader in London, of course. But eventually you'll receive kind of the same data on Euston Road and uh, in Hampstead Heat, which of course doesn't make sense. So Airscape is a solution where we try to deploy dense networks of uh, air pollution sensors, average distance like 10 square meters. So we can understand the air pollution level on each particular street, uh, in each particular corner, and uh, many, many places around Camden. So our model provides people with real-time, street-level data on air pollution available to everyone. So what are we measuring? And what, what types of pollutants are we actually measuring? A very wide range of pollutants exist in our world, but key drivers of pollution in London is uh, four components, uh, which actually our system is monitoring. So it's ozone, NO2, and uh, two types of particular matters, 2.5 and 10. So these are the main drivers of air pollution, and each has its own characteristics, and each of them concerns different types of diseases. And of course, all of them contribute more generally to climate change and the uh, problem with CO2. They come from different types of uh, human activity, mostly, of course, from uh, fuel, from cars, uh, construction sites, different type of uh, businesses and activities of industry activities. So it's a combination of different factors. London and Camden is a very dangerous place to live. And that's something we need to, to, to tackle for our for children, for our generations, and for ourselves as well. So how did this idea from Airscape come about? So the key idea takes its roots from the problems we had with different air quality monitoring projects, because we have plenty of them across the globe and plenty of them in London, but there's no really one data point, and they are they use different models which can, of course, create results you know, for particular territory, for particular schools or for particular roads, but we can't really detect the whole picture. So the idea came out that you can't tackle something if you can't measure it. And there was a process to understand how we can measure. And the only solution which was really practical and sustainable is to create these densest networks of air quality monitors. This kind of a solution provides us sustainable data. And uh, as well, we took four years of research and development of particular sensors. So they are not so expensive. And secondly, that they create more special resolution and more time frequent data measurement. Classical sensors or reference stations, they do calculation only once. They take data only once in an hour. So 
yes, of course, you can understand something from that data. But if you particularly want to tackle solution of a number of buses coming through a particular street in particular time, you can't really measure it and uh, uh, work with the data if you only take it one hour. So our sensors take data each single minute. It's not only about sensors and hardware. Airscape is a data solution. So last week we launched a beta version of our map, which is available to everyone on the website airscape.ai. Currently, our pilot project is covering only Camden Town, but we, of course, have ambition to create this network in other boroughs of London and beyond London as well. So it's a real-time system every minute? It's real-time every minute, and everyone who go to the map on laptops or on their phones, they can see the level pollution and they see the resolution of it so you can see actually how it changes from street to street. And as well, there's a mostly permanent spot at Euston Road, uh, of course, because it's one of the most polluted streets considered to be even in Europe. So you can also search on the location. You You can choose your school, for example, a place where you live. And then for each location, you'll have history of the data for the whole period of those sensors operating, uh, and again for previous hour, previous day, for one week, for one month. So there's a different kind of timeline, and also it's dropped down by pollutants. So you can see which pollutant dominate in your particular area. And on top of that, to make it user-friendly, we developed AQI, which is Airscape Quality Index and uh, Leaf Rating. So you can always, for each location, understand how bad it is in general and compared to other locations as well. Oh, AQI, that sounds fascinating. How do the sensors themselves actually work? I mean, I wonder if you describe to our listeners, you know, what is this sensor look like and what's inside it and how does it actually measure how does, how does it work yeah it's uh, actually you know within the podcast because you can't show them but uh, it's eventually quite small device which can fit in your hand less than one kilogram and it's device which has combination of different sensors for each pollutant combined together with of course data transmission uh, component uh, which use 4g signal to actually send the data uh, to our hubs and servers. Therefore, of course, it needs electricity and uh, it's located currently on lampposts, but the solution can be, it can be put on walls uh, as well. But lamppost solution was the most feasible because it's, it's needed height and it's an open area. And of course, by they have electricity and therefore you can create this kind of a grid type of network. And based on the data received from all these uh, sensors, we interpolate them and understand the real-time data in each particular location in between those sensors. Now, and, and there's AI built into this system? Uh, some bits of it. It's mostly math models, uh, which mm-hmm. consider because the air pollution also depends on multiple factors. It's like a landscape, the height the wind and the temperature, outside temperature is freezing cold or it's uh, super hot. So you need to consider all of these elements to, of course, receive realistic data so it's not corrupted by any of this. But also 
you need to understand the geographic model for this particular territory. So it will be different because of you have houses and different kind of obstacles. Mm. And uh, you need to consider how air flows uh, through streets. So mm. that's um, also a big part of the development uh, of the system. And a big part, a big component of it is actually the, the model. It has taken a couple of years to kind of finesse all of it. But now it's stable life and it's proved within different uh, researches and pilot projects. I've had a, a chance, uh, lucky enough to have a chance to have a look at the online site and it looks incredible because you can zoom in and zoom out and you can look at the history and, you know, for those that might be listening that live in the borough of Camden, it's amazing. You can check your own street out, you can check your own school out, as you mentioned earlier. What are some of the uses? What are the actual practical uses that businesses or the community can actually make of this network? Yeah, I think um, the key thing to understand that data on air pollution and data on different environment problems will be the most demanded data in years ahead. Because as I mentioned before, you need to solve the problem and do it by small actions. Sometimes it can be bigger, but uh, if you look at your community, at your place where you live, even small activities, small things can change situation radically if every if all parents stop driving their kids to one particular school the air quality will be improved during the hours they drop their children for example or if you navigate the traffic in a better way or if you put some kind of restrictions in this um, in this particular matter but to understand was your step successful or not you need to measure it before and measure it after so our system allows local authorities, families, community groups, community activists to actually have the data to work with it and to understand how their actions or potential actions could improve the situation. So this is the key thing that we provide this data free for everyone and then people can action on it and make even sometimes very important life decisions relocating for example or you know limiting some kind of activities in the peak hours uh, being outside so or taking more selfie route by, while cycling or walking mm. in their neighborhood and of course businesses businesses will be required to of course decrease the amount of pollution they produce and therefore this data can be used first of all to put pressure on businesses but secondly for them to monitor themselves and to actually report to communities, to people that they are improving so they can have a proof of it. So that's the key idea that it's not only having this data, it's also doing something uh, using this data. And of course, the big thing is uh, researchers, academics, health professionals, they will all need this data for their particular research on air pollution or health problems related to that. And our system allows to have this kind of a really high-resolution data. To bring something together like this, you've obviously got to have a very highly skilled team, engineers, you know, data scientists, project managers. So how does all this come together logistically? Yeah, so we need to deploy sensors, operate them, power them up, 
locate them in particular locations. So therefore, we need, of course, local government or uh, local authorities for each particular borough. Or if we talk about different cities, it can be citywide solution to get, uh, first of all, all the approvals and their support of it. But we see boroughs uh, and local governments being supportive of that because it's the one very important part of their strategies and uh, of their commitments. So usually they really re- receiving that really well. Secondly, of course, you need to produce the device and mostly the, the, the first part of it will, was kind of developed in our labs in, in Copenhagen. And uh, as I mentioned, there was five generations of those sensors so we, to create the most reliable one. And of course, the software team, very professional one, which creates the data modeling and data mapping on top of uh, data received from hardware. The ambition here and also the understanding that this type of uh, system, what connects hardware, software, and data-focused platform, does, it doesn't exist anywhere else. So. Of course, there are many companies who produce sensors, there are many kind of a crowdfunding, crowdsourcing campaigns on their solution. There are sporadic research projects. There are data platforms which try to use reference stations data, but of course, it, you, know, you can't get any resolution from that. So the data you have is very, very average. So the combination of this is the only one solution which exists. Therefore, we really keen to spread it across mm. London and go to the other cities in the world and to the most problematic cities in the world, which, of course, the biggest capitals, but also many cities in different parts of the world. Well, it's, it's amazing to have probably the densest real-time network of air quality sensors in our own borough of Camden in our own city of London. Who pays for all this and how can it be financially supported? Yeah, so our model works like that. So we, of course, invested in all deploying the network. But uh, if you come to our map, you'll see the map of sensors and you see the kind of a map of sponsors. And usually we encourage local businesses and bigger companies to support that because to maintain the network, it needs resources. So therefore, we have sponsorship prices, which uh, quite small one, but everyone can come to our platform and sponsor one, two, or ten sensors available. And for these for sponsors, for the users, we'll provide kind of a more access to to the platform uh, with different features. Plus, the logo can be seen, so the community and the users will be seen which of the companies are really taking care of it and support that. And also, we work with bigger companies. We just only launched our pilot model here in Camden, but we see that the big companies and who companies also who are the drivers of air pollution should be responsible and support the maintenance of, of such networks. So to keep them alive and to keep these data available to everyone. So we see them and foundations and maybe sometimes governments as key sources who needs to support that and provide this data to people, citizens, community groups, activists, and uh, for everyone, because we can only estimate how many lives this data can save a year. The people with special conditions, 
and they require to know air quality data right now and also be alert of any kind of incidents or a higher pollution level happening. So we truly believe that if we do it together and people will join more and more, join and support the network, we can at least decrease this 8 million dramatic number of deaths, uh, of course, per air pollution. And effectively, everyone will save their own lives because, you know, as, as long as you live in a very air polluted area, the higher chance you will have all long-term diseases or just short, shorter life. So, and no one wants that. Mm. Uh, we see it as a collective action and we encourage everyone to go to the map, check the project and uh, either support or bring companies and businesses who can support this network. So Camden, you've got the prototype. It's amazing what you've achieved so far. What are the next steps? Among the next steps, uh, we have ambition plan to um, uh, go to the five major cities in the world and uh, start to deploy such network or pilot project there by the end of the year. But our key goal is to cover 200 major cities in the globe, like in five, 10 year time perspective. And the history started in Camden and there were a combination of factors and of course, a big support from uh, Camden Clean Air Initiative, from uh, activists, from community, from local borough authorities, London, I think at the end of March was the highest pollution, even bigger in, in, than in Beijing. So London is really critical city to start with. And therefore, I think it brings a lot of visibility and as well credibility to our solution. So we thank everyone who supported this idea and who keeps supporting that. And we also look forward to multiply this experience and actually to get London covered because if you look at the data it doesn't look really good <laughs> for London so we need to actually deploy it and create those big movements and community actions to change the situation otherwise London will become the city which you can't live in and uh, create long 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 problems from for many of its citizens. Great. Well, sounds like we might need an Elon Musk or someone to invest in this project. So in the future, five, 10 years time, you're in five major cities or, or, or a lot more by that time? A lot more. We have a preferred list, of course, but of course, it's a very opportunistic pro approach because we have also current pilot project in Milan where we already installed uh, 10 sensors and kind of created a small network to show the results to the local uh, authorities and uh, environmental agencies so they see the difference and they see how it works and of course Camden platform helps us with that so we have a lot of conversations about different other cities and uh, our quality network already installed and work in the Cork city of Ireland there was a big demand because the big port of Dublin and a lot of ships are coming and highly polluting in, in the air in this small town so we see Ireland and Dublin as potentially next uh, one of the next cities but we also of course go wide the, the globe is big but, yeah. and the problem is huge so it's the matter of which locations which cities are ready 
and their uh, potential sponsors who will be willing to, to invest in that. Well, what great work being done by Air Labs with their Airscape project. Thanks so much, Dimitro, for joining us here today. Thank you so much for the invitation. And again, thanks a lot, everyone who supported us and who keeps supporting us. That's all for this episode of Racing Green. Thanks for joining us. Racing Green is produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Chris Bristow, and Georgina McGiven in collaboration with the Camden Clean Air Initiative. It was recorded at Serendipity Studios, Camden, North London, with music and sound design by Chris Bristow. 